Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your guest co-host, the MMA genius. We're going to be talking UFC Stockholm, Gustafsson versus Teixeira. And man, you're my co-host for a second week in a row. We're going to address the Sean Carey situation here in a second, but you know, people only know you as the MMA genius, but they don't know your first name. Your name's Shaq. What's up, Shaq? What's up, man? I'm, uh, I'm pumped up for this card. Um, I'm glad everyone knows my name now. It's kind of weird sometimes going by that, but... I'm ready to talk this card, ready to cash some bets and uh, handle business. Man, we got to get back on track because last week was actually my worst event. Not just of this year, probably the last two years combined. You know, nothing went my way. I mean, Dustin Poirier couldn't get a DQ. Jocko and George couldn't get splits. Cejudo couldn't show up to the fight. But you know what? That's in the past. And now we got Stockholm this Sunday. You learn your craft as you go. That's right. You face defeat like a champion. Now, before we talk about our bets, our picks, our plays for UFC Stockholm, I kind of want to talk to you about this Angela Magania versus Cyborg situation real quick. I want your perspective on it, man, because look, one way to look at it is talk shit, get hit. But another way to look at it is straight up assault because, in my opinion, the only justifiable way to get into a non-sanctioned fight is is if someone attacks you, you know, that that's self-defense, man. You know, someone puts their hands on you, hey, you got every right to defend yourself. Someone puts their hands on your friend, you know, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. But if someone attacks you on the internet, I don't know if that justifies being hit, even though, yeah, we don't like Magania. It's hilarious that she got punched in the face. But should Cyborg be punching girls three weight classes below her outside the octagon? Uh, No, she shouldn't. <clears throat> but... At the same time, when a person provokes you online constantly and she sucks shit as a fighter, I mean, you kind of want to slap the shit out of them. And then when you get face-to-face -face and she's still talking shit, I mean, this is the fight game. The fight game is a cruel business. Not everyone you run into is a nice person. So, I mean, you're a pro fighter with a winning record that's beaten more people than you lost to. So, at the end of the day, you can technically defend yourself, even though we know she sucks. But, like, talk shit. Get hit. I mean, <laughs> Cyborg is wrong for hitting her. No question about it. But do I feel sorry for Magania? Fuck no, I don't feel sorry for her. I mean, I think she's trash. I think she's shit. She shouldn't be in the UFC. And um, she had it coming, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, for me, I'm on a much lower scale than these pro fighters. But, you know, having this show half the battle, giving out plays, you know, putting your balls on the line... People talk shit about me all the time, right? Now, I've been to a couple of trips, you know, for fights, whether it's Nashville, whether it's Vegas, whether it's L.A., and I've actually met up with some of the people that talk shit about me. Now, in person, they're all like, oh, I respect you so much, and this and that. It's like, all right, cool, whatever, man. Then why are you talking shit? But to me, it's like, you know, unless you put your hands on me, there's no reason to fight. I mean, maybe if you talk about my mom in, fr in you know, in front of my face, then then we'll fight. But other than that, I try to uh, avoid a fight at all costs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in real life, you only get to situations like that when, you know, families get involved. Um, but at the end of the day, both these people have kids. They both have uh, daughters. And the fact that they have to act like that is trash, but... Like I said, I mean, I feel like she had it coming, but at the end of the day, you don't put your hands on someone that didn't put their hands on you. I agree. She did have it coming, but, you know, if she gets in trouble, it is what it is. This it was, is is. you know, you you punch you someone it. without them punching you, so exactly. whatever happens is going to happen. Now, real quick, we got to address the Sean Carey situation. So, as you've noticed, Sean Carey hasn't been on the show the last two weeks. Now, 
for everyone that's been listening to Half the Battle, you know Sean Carey is a guy that I've looked up to for a very long time. He's a close friend of mine. And Sean Carey asked me for a break. Now, Sean Carey asked me for a break. He gets a break, man. Sean Carey, he'll get whatever he wants, man, you know. And whenever he's ready to come back, he's going to come back. And I fully expect him to be back for a UFC 212, Aldo versus Holloway. I mean, how could you not come back for a fight like that? But it's funny, we were talking about it. And you notice he didn't post any bets this week. So, you know, he, he's doing his thing, man. He He's he's older than us, man. He's got, he's got a real life, right? No, but, <laughs> but the thing is, man, I think uh, he watched some film on Stasiak and was just like, fuck this shit, man. You know what I mean? So, you know, much love to my boy, Sean. He'll be back when he's ready, hopefully for Aldo and Holloway. And dude, listen to this. Yoel Romero versus Robert Whitaker. My dream fight. Two of my all-time favorite fighters. Two of, you know, the guys I bet on every single fight. Now they're fighting each other. And, you know, a lot of fans would be like, oh, it sucks that one of them's got to lose. For me, I want to know who's better, man. Yeah, man, I can't wait for the fight. Yoel is a freak of nature. Olympic wrestling versus Rob. That savvy boxing, the way he can catch you, the diversity of his attacks, I can't wait to see if he can catch Yoel. That third round Yoel though, man. No, no one beats third round Yoel. But the way Rob's been looking, I mean, to not just to knock out Jacare, but to get your back taken, survive that, and then knock him out. I'm like, man, I, I just wish that that Yoel could take the belt from Bisbing, and then Whitaker could take it from Yoel, so they both can be champ. But you know what? There can only be one, my friend. I mean, one doesn't simply ragdoll Chris Weidman, take his back, and then flying knee KO him stiff. In the third round, I mean, he's a freak, and uh, I can't wait for the fight. Bis Let's just say Bisping, I think Bisping loses to both of them. I agree, my man. But you know what? We got to get down to business. UFC Stockholm, a lot of people were complaining that we agreed too much last week, and you know, it is what it is. The cards fell where they did. I have a feeling we're not going to be agreeing on every single fight this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, get, let's get to it. Indeed, we will. So we got Marcin Held. He's minus 350. The comeback on Demir Hadzovic is plus 290. Now, when I saw this line, man, I was like, this is completely crazy because I understand that Marcin Held came into the UFC with a lot of hype. But, you know, when you're losing to guys like Diego Sanchez in 2016, 2017, that, you know, that's unacceptable, man. I know what kind of level you're on. And even in Bellator, man, I was looking to fade him. And, you know, I lost when I tried to fade him against Jansen that second time. You know what I'm saying? But it just seemed like Jansen was too old. So when Marcin Held comes to the UFC, I'm like, you know, he's not that good. But he could definitely beat a guy like Diego Sanchez or Joe Lozon, right? Wrong. <laughs> he can't even beat those guys, man. So now we got a guy with Demir Hadzovic. And I think the reason the line is where it is is because no one knows who Demir is. We know who he is. I mean, honestly, we bet him his last fight. It didn't work out. I mean, it's against a beast like Tai Sumov. But the fact that we were willing to bet him against such a monster shows we ranked this guy pretty high, man. And now I do think he has a favorable matchup because with Marcin Held, man, obviously that first round, you got to avoid the leg locks. You got to avoid getting taken down. But Marcin Held historically gasses out, not just in the Bellator days, in the UFC as well. He also gets rocked a lot, man. I mean, you saw Joe Lozon make him do the chicken dance in that first round, dude. So... What I think is going to happen here, man, and real quick, back to the Lozon fight. You know, we all know the deal with Lozon. What does Lozon do every single fight that goes past the first round? He gasses out. So, you know, Lozon had a strong first round and had nothing left. I don't think that's going to be the case with Demir Hadzovic, man. I think he's got what it takes to go all three rounds. And not only that, he's beat UFC vets on the regional scene. Guys like John McGuire, guys who are known for their BJJ. You remember that that gypsy jiu-jitsu, right? That, that's the guy, right? Yeah. He, he, whoop, he whooped that ass, son. And I think he's going to be able to stuff these takedowns if he can't. 
He said in his interview he's going to be able to get back up. I take his word for it. Wall walk. Get back up to your feet. Avoid the leg locks. Now, when we talk about this leg lock game of, of Marcin Held, I mean, not quite Tokino level. You know, nowhere near as dangerous. But, I, he, but he's got more heart than a guy like Ian Entwistle. You know, with all these leg lock guys, it's a similar trend where if they don't get the leg lock, they kind of quit. But there's certain severities to each guy's attack, and Tokino will straight break your leg. I don't think Marcin's the kind to really break your leg. You know, he's not as vicious with it, but I still think he's better than an Ian than an Ian Entwistle. You know what I'm saying? He's got more heart than that guy. So I could see it going to the second or third round, but eventually I see Demir stopping him and you know gassing him out, which Marcin gasses every single fight. Demir's forward pressure, his combination. What I like about Demir is that he doesn't let everything go all at once. He takes his time, man. And once it's time to unload on you, it's time to unload on you. They call him the Bosnian bomber for a reason. Plus 290 is a joke. We might even get plus 300, but regardless, I'm going to put two units on Demir Hadzovic to defeat Marcin Held. Yeah, um, this fight, you know, when this fight got announced, you know, I was definitely eyeing Demir. I think he has a lot of potential. Um... He's a very precise comp. You know, he made a little mistake in his debut. He got a little bit too aggressive, especially fighting a guy like Tysonov, who you don't want to come at like that. But the fact that he did that, and to be honest, he had some success. I mean, he kind of wobbled Tysonov early there. But, I mean, when you're fighting Merbik like that, it's only a matter of time before you hit the deck. But um, the path to victory is clear here. I mean, we know what Marcin is going to do. We've been mar watching Marcin since he was like, 18, 19, before he was even old enough to get into the casino, you know, in Bellator. You know, we know he's going to come out with that leg lock attack in that first round. And if he can get it, if when he wins, he generally just controls you, takes her back for three rounds, and just out-wrestles you, out-grapples you. His back's against the wall in this one, so <clears throat> we know he's going to come aggressive. And I think he's going to be desperate to put Demir away in that, in that first round just because he knows the history of his career when it goes to that second and third round. I think Demir just needs to get past this little jiu-jitsu onslaught in the first round or two, and then once we get through that, then we can even start winning some of the scrambles, start taking him down, you know, controlling position on top, and then on the feet. Even on the feet, Marcin's not that bad, to be honest. I mean, to be honest, in the Lozon fight, he was landing. Even in the Diego fight, he was landing at times. But um, he doesn't have confidence in it. He's not, he's not comfortable in it, and Demir can pick him apart. Leg kick, straight punches down the middle. Uh, Demir doesn't really take too many wild chances like that. He stays composed. And I think um, he's, I, I, I honestly think we'll probably lose the first round. But the next two, I think we're going to uh, put it on him and win a 29-28 decision. But I'm definitely betting on Demir here. Oh, so you don't think Demir's going to stop him? Uh, No, no. Marcin, we've seen him hang in there. I mean, when he generally loses by decision, so... Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll hang in there. Next up, we got Darren Tilley's minus three twenty-five. The comeback on Jessen Ayari is plus two sixty-five. Now, dude, we haven't seen Darren Till in a long time. Not since that amazing fight with Nicholas Dalby, but now he's coming back. What are you thinking, man? Uh, Darren Till. You know, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of uh, Darren Till parlays. Darren Till inside the distance. You know, um, he had that very impressive debut versus uh, Wendell Oliveira. You know, he looked great, but you know, I watched that Dalby fight and the Wendell Oliveira fight. You know, to be honest, I don't really see that much diversity in his attacks. I mean, to be honest, all he throws is a straight left and a straight uh, and a left body kick to all those left side shots. Um, I don't really see much movement, to be honest, when we really watched it. 
Um, Ayari, on the other hand, is moving all over the place, constantly circling, constantly circling. I know he made that slight mistake against Wallhead in that third round because he got a little cocky because he had won the first two with ease. But I think I honestly think it's going to be hard for Till to find Ayari here. I mean, you know, people are very high on Till, but to be honest, you know, that fight with Dalby, you know, they like to say his shoulder was hurt. But then when I rewatch it, I mean, he was fine. His shoulder was fine like the first two rounds. I mean, that third round, I, I just thought he got frustrated and he gassed out, to be honest, and Dalby put it on him. But I don't see many – I think he's very predictable is what I'm saying. And I think I think Ayari can run away and avoid a fight and frustrate him, get him get him frustrated, especially coming off a – what is this, a two-year layoff? I yeah. mean – 2015 was the exactly. last time he fought. He fought in 2015, and you're fighting a guy in Ayari who – don't get me wrong, Ayari is not the best, but he's a, he's a smart – his style is smart. Even though he did take some damage in that wallhead fight, it was due to it was due to cockiness. But if he can maintain what he was doing that first two rounds, he can be a very frustrating dude to fight. He's all over the place. He's moving, moving, moving. And I think Till can get frustrated. And don't be surprised if Ayari squeaks out a decision here. But um, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Ayari. Man, I'm surprised. I didn't see that coming at all. But you know what, man? It's really interesting because when Darren Till first came to the UFC, I was very high on the guy. I was like, man, he's he fights super confident. He's got this swagger about him. Very educated rear left hand. You know, it's funny because when we talk about educated hands, people like to talk about the lead hand. With Darren Till, we're talking about the rear hand. You know, he's a southpaw. That straight left is very nasty. It can floor anyone that he touches properly with it. And obviously the left kick. You mentioned the two big weapons he has. That is basically, you know, most of the weapons he has. Now, here's my thing with the Dolby fight, man. Because, look, Dolby tried to take him down the first two rounds, and Darren Till was stuffing it fine. Now, in that third round, when he gave up that takedown very easily, here's my issue with it. So, let's say he did have a shoulder problem. What does a shoulder problem have to do with you having a wide base? And he, you see what I'm saying? He was so gassed that he couldn't even get that wide base up against the cage. It had nothing to do with the shoulder. And he got taken down very easily. That said, man... In Ayari's losses, he has been stopped in the regional scene via strikes. We know a guy like Darren Till is known for his knockout power. Not only that, man, it's funny. On the regional scene, Darren Till was getting guys with leg locks, inverted triangles, all kinds of things you wouldn't expect from him. He's also the Muay Thai coach at Astra Fight Team. You know, you look at a guy like Gleico Franza, who's no slouch at all. I know he got cut from the UFC, but look at the guys he lost to. I mean, Vic and... Gregor Gillespie, those are two studs. So th these are the kind of guys that Darren Till is training with. And with Ayari, you make some great points about his style, man. He runs around the ring, you know, he point fights. And if he can avoid being cocky like he did in that third round, you know, against Wallhead, because, you know, we know Wallhead. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a jobber. And Ayari went there, hands down, started talking to him after winning the first two rounds, and then got dropped. And then at the end of the round, also got dropped. So, you know, you start getting cocky against a guy like Darren Till, and you could get knocked out, man. It's just, here's my thing, man. Is Darren Till going to wait for Ayari to come to him? Or is he going to have to chase him? That, that That's what I'm wondering here. Because with Dalby, Dalby's right in your face, man. You know what I'm saying? And Dalby's a little bull bouncing you know, back and forth, throwing head kicks in your face. Ayari's very frustrating, like you said. That uppercut's very nice. You'll run around the ring. But I think at some point, the power of Darren Till is going to be the game changer here. And I think uh, Darren Till is going to knock out Justin Ayari. The straight, le the left side shots he has are beautiful, you know what I'm saying? But that's it. That, that's all I've seen from him. Um, Ayari, you know, his chin, he does wobble. He's been stopped before. But um, just coming off a two-year layoff, 
and facing a guy like that who is not going to want to engage in any type of slugfest or just let you stand there and hit him, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm uh, going to take IR. So what I'm wondering here, man, obviously the two-year layoff is the reason that I'm not betting this fight. Even though some dudes come back refreshed, it's just kind of scary here when, you know, he only has a left-hand shot and a left kick, which they're very powerful, but that is all he's got. So I'm wondering if in this matchup, is this the, you know, the case where Jessen's going to be able to make Darren Till get comfortable in there? Because, you know, Jessen's not necessarily going to be in your face brawling. You know, he's going to be running around the ring trying to pot shot. Is that going to make Darren Till, you know, get comfortable and, you know, slowly shake off the rust, get in there, get back on track? Or is that going to completely frustrate him? That That's where my, you know, where my questioning is. That's why I'm not confident on Darren Till. I do think he's better. That's why I'm picking him. But I have so many questions about this matchup that I have to pass, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Darren Till is the better fighter as well, but just by circumstances, you know. I understand. Next up, Nico Musoki's minus 145. The comeback on Boyan Velichkovic is plus 125. What are you thinking, man? Man, you know, uh, Nico, you know, been gone for a while. Um, you know, I do have USADA questions, you know what I'm saying? Like his uh, fellow teammate, Magnus. Uh, and real quick, before we talk about Magnus, because a lot of people don't really understand the drastic physique difference that he had. You watch that fight with Jocko, then you watch that fight with Marshman. Completely different guy. I mean, go look at him when he fought Kristoff, and then go look at him when he fought Marshman, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Masoke, he's been gone. Just like how Magnus had that long two-year layoff, you know, Masoke is finally coming back off his long two-year, might even be more than two years, you know what I'm saying? Last time he fought was... Uh, Tumanov. Yeah, Tumanov on that Gustafson uh, Rumble card, so that's how long ago he fought. But when he was fighting back then, I mean, Masoke was no slouch. I mean, we're talking about a guy that won around against Kelvin, won around against Tumenov. Uh, solid game, I mean, hands not that good, but it's hard body kicks, hard right kicks, solid wrestling, and I mean, he can hang in with he can hang in there with anyone. You know what I'm saying? Um, Bohan Bohan frustrates me because yes. He has such a nice little, like, southpaw flow with that left kick and that straight left. But the guy, I mean, I know he's a point fighter, but the guy just seems like he doesn't want to fight. Like, he doesn't want to put in that extra. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we've seen him get have issues with the wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Um, got taken down his last fight by Sultan. Um, even his fight before that with Graves. I mean, he stuffed some, but he also did get taken down. And he just had no sense of urgency. Um, I am going to take... Oh, another key thing about this fight is Masoke moved camps. He's uh, training at TriStar now, so, you know, he's with uh, Faraz and all those weasels down there. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's got uh, that undetectable juice <laughs> now. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Um, now nah, I'm just playing, but, you know, I am expecting a little ring rust at this. Um, even though there's a lot of things I don't like about Bohan, I am going to take him in this one just because, you know, he's more fresher and he's been more active. And... Um, some for whatever reason the judges seem to think he's doing something because I mean, the Alessio fight he he arguably lost. I thought he lost that fight in my opinion, but he got the nod. The Graves fight he thought he lost, but he somehow got a draw. And the Sultan fight I thought he clearly lost two rounds, and he somehow managed to get a judge to score that fight. <laughs> so I mean the judges like whatever he's doing. I mean because he's looking pretty on that feet, trying to be like you know. Uh, somewhat of a version of TJ or something like that, but it's not working out for him too well. But um, I like him just by activity. I'm with you, man. I'll tell you why. I mean, obviously, 
I got a lot of questions about Nico Musoki. I mean, when we were watching that Magnus Seedenblad, those two fights, the difference, oh my God. And it's like, well, where's Musoki been? You know, I understand an injury, but this is the time he's been gone. This is more than an injury, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he fought two men off forever ago. And that was a great fight. He put up a good oh, effort sure. there. You know what I'm saying? Musoki's no slouch. I mean, the fight with Alessio Sakara, he dropped him, he armbarred him. I mean, he's a tough dude to fight, and he's putting in work at. At uh, TriStar, he's probably going to come in prepared. But the thing here with Boyan is that, look, I think Boyan's 0-3 in the UFC. But like you said, he's got away with the judges. And as a betting man, I respect, I 100% respect the dudes that have the way with the judges. You know, our boy Manny Sanchez, even though I feel like he clearly wins those fights and with Boyan it's the opposite, but still, man, I'm not about to fade a dude who is always winning on the judges' scorecards. A guy who I think is 0-3 but is 1-1-1. One, one, and, one. Yeah. and then you factor in that layoff, and I think he's going to be able to point fight Musoki to a decision. It's going to be tough. It might even look like he lost. But uh, <laughs> the judges are going to say, and the winner by split decision, Bojan Velichkovic. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, I think Bojan, Bojan had potential, but, you know, potential is limited. But uh, there's something seem to be missing. But... Um, like you said, the layoff, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how Musoke is looking fight week. If that, if that body's looking Magnus-like, then we might have to play Bohan. Indeed, we got to see if he's looking soft. But if he's uh, been taking that GSB uh, help, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe he's looking better than ever. Well, we're gonna have to find out fight week. But next up, we got Joachim Neto BJJ Silva. He's minus 185. The comeback on Reza Madadi is plus 160. Now, dude, I think it's kind of funny that they call Silva Neto BJJ. I always thought they should call him Neto Muay Thai. You know what I'm saying? Because he's known for his Muay Thai. What are you thinking for this one? Man, I, lo I love Neto BJJ in this fight. Um, do I think Neto BJJ is going to be a top 10, top 15 guy? No, not necessarily. But I think he's got the potential to have some really good performances. Um I think Rez is in trouble here. Like, I think he just came off a devastating loss. Even though he he hung in there all three rounds with uh, Joe Duffy, let's be honest there, he just stood there and got his ass whipped. I think Neto is going to bust him up, bruise him up. I think Rez will have his moments. I mean, it's not hard to uh, catch Neto. I mean, he's got slow reactions. He's a big, stocky, bruiser, Brazilian juice head. You know what I'm saying? He's just... He has slow reactions. I mean, look at that Nazareno Maligari fight. I mean, he got caught with left hook after left hook at will. You know what I'm saying? But what he do? He responded back every single time, and those left hooks did not affect him at all. But when he hit Nazareno, he felt it every single time. Busted him up, had him cut. You know, Rez is a Swedish uh, wrestling champion. But I'm not worried about that, to be honest, because I think Neto has amazing get-up games. I mean, that Nazareno fight, Nazareno had him down twice, I think. And, I mean, he pushed off on that head, and he got up to his feet right away. I think this guy's just way too hard to hold down. And um, I just think on the feet, he's just going to bust him up. That, those check knees, uh, the leg kicks, that overhand right, I mean, most of his finishes uh, are by KO. And um, I think Reyes is just going to have a tough night getting him down, and I think he's going to take a beating on the feet. Now, I agree that Reza's going to have a tough night at first, but I think he's going to find a way to win, man. I'll tell you why. You know, you look at who he's been fighting, man. He went in there with Michael Johnson, who's, you know, one of the best strikers in the UFC lightweight division. And 
What's the, what's the name of that fucking uh, blow-up doll that kids used to play with? You punch it, it goes all the way down, then it pops back up. Fucking Dana was ta- was saying this dude looked like that fucking blow-up doll. You know what I'm saying, bro? Because he would get dropped and he'd pop back up like it, like nothing happened. So Reza's got a lot of heart. You know, he's Iranian, man. So growing up in Iran, man, that's, that's no fucking joke. You know what I'm saying, dude? But the thing with this matchup is I feel like Neto BJJ, he has something very similar to Czech Congo. And what that is is... The most impressive part about him is not his fighting, it's his physique. If you look at this guy, you're like, oh my god, like, Jesus Christ, he could kill anyone. But then you watch him fight, and like you were saying, he was getting tagged all over the place in that Nazareno Malagari fight. Now, he did find a way to win, obviously, which you gotta respect. That Andrew Holbrook fight, I mean, you know, not only is Holbrook chinny, I don't want to discredit the win, because but all that happened, we gotta be realistic about what happened. Holbrook threw a kick, and he fell down, and then... Neto threw three punches and the dude was out cold. Well, he caught the kick and landed a right hand and then put him out on the ground. But, yeah, like you said, Holbrook's chinny. You know, it's funny. Neto was plus. I got Neto at plus 110 in that fight. And uh, I thought it was a steal. But I I just don't see. I think Rizzo will have, you know, a, a solid double leg burst for a round or two. And he's taking this fight on short notice. So I question what type of shape he's in. And I know Neto BJJ is in great shape. I mean, he has an amazing doctor in Brazil. And, uh, <laughs> I think he's just going to bust them up. Yeah, you know, you watch that fight with uh, Gleico Franza and Neto BJJ. And before we talk about that, well, let's talk about that ass whooping Neto BJJ gave that one kid on the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, yeah. Poor. What, uh, what ref ref that fight again? I don't remember. Maybe Big John or something. Yeah, but bottom like, line is... He let that kid die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, let that kid get killed. Man. I mean, Net- jungle boy. Neto is able to dish out some serious punishment, and Reza's able to take that punishment. I mean, you watch a fight between Joe Duffy and Mitch Clark, and fucking Joe Duffy puts him down with the first punch he throws, and then you watch Reza take that ass whooping like a man all three rounds. Now, yeah, he's not fighting Joe Duffy, but what I'm trying to say is that he's fighting a striker that's nowhere near as good as Joe Duffy. I think he can take that ass whooping up front the first two rounds, and when Neto's tired, I think that's where he can have you know a win similar to the Michael Johnson performance, take him down, tap him out. Shout out to my boy Bob, MMA State of Mind, but real talk, man, I think that uh, I think he's going to find a way to win with his toughness, even though... He could get starched. Maybe he's taking too much damage in all those wars. But let's talk about that Glaco Franza fight because Glaco, I feel like if Reza's in shape, he could use that same game plan that Glaco used. Take him down, take the back, choke him out. But it's easier said than done. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, even though the Nazareno fight, he did get uh, tagged with left hooks at will. I mean, Nazareno was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. And to be honest, I thought his cardio level was fine in the third round. He was not tired at all. He was pushing hard. He stole that fight away from Nazareno. So I don't think cardio is going to be an issue. I don't think takedown defense will be an issue. I don't think getting up will be an issue. And, I mean, um, you know, his striking coach, Andre Dita, who I have met personally, is very high on this dude. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching full eyes. We're going to have to see what happens here, man. And speaking of being able to get up from a takedown, we got Chris Camozzi. He's minus 245. (laughs) The comeback on Trevor Smith is plus 205. Now, this is how Trevor Smith fights go, aside from his Andrew Sanchez fight. Either he gets knocked out in the first minute of the fight, like, you know, he did against Kayo and uh, Talis, or he grinds you out. Now, the thing with Chris Camozzi... We've seen him knock dudes out in the first minute of the fight. You remember the Joe Riggs fight? I know that's Joe Riggs, but hey, Trevor Smith ain't got too much better of a chin. I'll tell you that right now. But we've also seen Chris Camozzi cannot get up from the bottom. I mean, I know Dan Kelly and Talis Latis are fucking amazing at what they do, man. But the thing is, 
When Trevor gets on top, he's heavy on top. So my question is, can Chris stop him early or not? If it turns into a back-and-forth war, you know, I do favor Chris Camozzi, actually. You know, he does train in Colorado. He's got the cardio to go all three. But at the same time, if he's getting taken down and can't get up, that's where Trevor Smith is going to have the advantage. So it's all about, can Trevor Smith avoid being knocked out? And you know what, Shaq? I'm going to say that Chris Camozzi knocks out Trevor Smith. I think his back's up against the wall. I think he knows he's going to make a statement, and I think he's going to go out there and do that. Yeah, you know, both guys' backs against the wall. The problem with Trevor Smith is he likes to bang too much. I mean, and he doesn't have the chin to hold up. I mean, it's different when you're fighting a young dude like, you know, Joe Galati, but when you're fighting an experienced dude like Camozzi, yeah, I know he can't get up from bottom, but I just think he's going to land that straight left on uh, Trevor real quick, stumble him, make him wobble get him out of there um i understand you betting on trevor smith at, at a two to one dog just because kamozi cannot get the fuck up from bottom and he's fighting a d1 wrestler so uh but i got kamozi i just can't trust trevor's trevor's chin he's taken too many beatings i mean when you're getting wobbled by sanchez like that i mean you're on, he's on his way out just put it that way and uh you know i got kamozi Man, a little trivia. You know that this is Chris Camozzi's 19th UFC fight? Yeah, it's, it's Holy crazy. shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You know, Trevor Smith, though, he's known as a grinder, but I'll tell you what. His best fight, and you know which one I'm talking about, Ed that Herman. Ed Herman fight. Oh, my God. See, that's one of those fights where, you know, you get the bonus. You know, Dana brings you into his back room, cuts you a little extra check, and, you know, you're set, but... You start thinking you can fight like that. <laughs> you come back, and then you get knocked out in under a minute, so... And then you're below 500 in the UFC. That's true. So those kind of fights take years off your life, but, hey, for anyone that's never seen Trevor Smith versus Ed Herman, go back and watch that out and let us know what you think. Now, next up, man. Now, this line's gotten a little bit out of control, my friend. We got Pedro Munoz. He's minus 650. The comeback on Damian Stasiak is plus 475. Now, I don't normally parlay this big of favorites, but when it opened at minus 505, and, you know, we'd been eyeing this matchup for a very long time, and, uh, you know, it might be a little shameful to say that I did parlay Pedro Munoz. Not only did I parlay him, I max bet parlayed him, which is a rarity for me. Last time I did a max play parlay was Kelvin to beat Vitor and Joe Duffy to beat Reza. So, um, man, we, we'll see what Pedro's got, but let me tell you something about this kid, Pedro, man. Makes his UFC debut on short notice against Rafael Asuncao. Goes all three rounds. I mean, he got whooped, but you know what? He took that ass whooping like a man. And when you see this guy's guillotine, and, you know, I sent you the video of him explaining how he does it, and now that I have a little understanding of what's actually going on, I mean, he literally traps both your arms with his legs so you can't even fight the hands, man. It's the nastiest thing ever. Like, do you remember when uh, Joseph Benavidez tapped out Tim Elliott and Tim had to tap with his with his feet? Like, it's not quite like that because it's not a mounted guillotine, but it's, you know... It's similar in the sense that there's no way out, bro. You ain't fighting the hands on that guillotine choke. You're you're either going to sleep or you're tapping out. And if you're tapping out, you got a very limited reach to tap out because your arms are trapped. It's just the most disgusting guillotine I've ever seen in my life. You know, along there with, with John Jones, along there with James Vick. But it's different. It's not like a high elbow like those guys do. It's, uh, it's I mean, what is it? It's a fucking... I mean, dude, it's just, it's nasty. I mean, you, you jiu-jitsu experts can let us know exactly the type of guillotine it is, but the way he traps the arms, like you showed in that instructional video, holy fucking shit. Now let's talk about his stand-up, because it's not just the guillotine we got to look out for. I mean, this is a guy that goes toe-to-toe with Jimmy Rivera, which one doesn't simply do, as you know. And uh, look, he got rocked badly that first round. Now, when a lot of dudes get rocked the way he got rocked, I mean, you know, 
cover up, look for the, look for the door, let the ref intervene. Not Pedro Munoz, man. Pedro Munoz gets back up to his feet, and then he rocks Jimmy Rivera. He had Jimmy Rivera on ice skates, which you know that's very fucking hard to do, man. Um, he's been putting in a lot of work. Not this camp at ATT, but in the past, you know, he is a master Cordero student, so very educated liver kick. And obviously his combos, you know, whether it's the 2-3-2, two, two, whether it's the 1-2-3, whether it's mixing in the uppercut, but he sets it up. You know, you know with these guys that don't set up that rear uppercut, like Kevin Lee against Leo Santos, they get fucking cracked. Even Chuck Liddell against Rashad Evans, when they don't set up that rear uppercut, you're going down. Pedro Munoz sets up that rear uppercut. He is no slouch at all. Now, when you talk about his opponent, Damon Stasiak, you know, so he did lose to Yaozin Meza in his UFC debut, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. That was his UFC debut against a vet. But he comes back against uh, Pedjik, and, you know, usually they give fighters two chances. He beat Pedjik so bad that they cut him right away, you know what I mean? And uh, Stasiak, he's got a nice spinning back kick to the body. His jiu-jitsu ain't half bad. It's just he's not on the level of Pedro Munoz. With Pedro, like, and we could talk about numbers and rankings that don't mean shit, but what I'm trying to say is that Pedro is a top 10 guy, and that's not just me throwing out a number. That's how good he really is. I mean, he's up there with the guys like Jimmy Rivera, the guys like Thomas Almeida. He's, he's on that level, man. And Stasiak, while I do think he's been improving, I don't think he's anywhere near that level, near that frequency, and I think he'd need a miracle to win this fight, man. Yeah, um... I just, I think, I think Pedro's as close to a lock as you can get. I mean, oh, don't curse me, bro. I mean, what's he got? To be honest, I mean, he's got a. Only way I see him losing this fight is if he runs into something spinning, a spinning kick, a spinning back fist, or something. You know, Stasiak. I think he's a European jiu-jitsu champion. He's a brown belt. You know, solid pole, but. I just don't see where he's going to win this fight. I don't see him getting the better of Pedro on the ground. Like I said, the only way I see him winning this fight is by landing some spinning some spinning back fist or something like that. I mean, on the feet, he's so loose. He just spinning, spinning, spinning. No hands, really. I mean, I don't see what he has to offer Pedro that's going to really threaten him in this fight, to be honest. I think Pedro's going to win this fight anywhere he wants to. I think he can out-wrestle him. I mean, we saw Grant take down Stasiak, no problem. Although Stasiak did take him down as well. Tell you what, though. That arm bar he hit on Grant, that was beautiful. It was disgusting, you know what I'm saying? Stasiak, when you're fighting those level of guys, you know what I'm saying, Stasiak's more alive. But when you're fighting a top 10 dude in Pedro, you know, moving to ATT for this fight, you know, now he's uh, probably, you know, sparring less, taking less trauma to that head. And, um... But I don't even think Stasiak's going to uh, bring any caution in that department anyway. So I see Pedro getting a first-round finisher. Now I want to talk about Pedro's his poise, his focus, because we have seen him get marked up in a couple of his fights. You know, the, the fight with Russell Dunn, the fight with Justin Scoggins. But I'll tell you what, man, you look at this, you look into his eyes, you see that determination, that focus. and He keeps coming. I mean, Scoggins was playing with him on the feet, and Pedro never took a step back. He kept on coming, and he got it. He capitalized on his opportunity. And I don't even see Stacey. I just don't see Stacey act on that level, man. Even the Russell Dunn fight, he took that ass whooping up front, and when it was time to get that well, let's talk about that guillotine because obviously we we already described how amazing his guillotine is, but from here, it's almost like he got it from the back and then he came around front. I was like, dude, <laughs> this motherfucker gets that shit from anywhere, man. It's funny because you know how if dudes go for a guillotine from half guard, you know, you're like, what are you doing, man? I guarantee you if Pedro Munoz goes for one from half guard, he'll fucking tap you out. You know what I'm saying? So this guy, yeah, 
he's nasty. And uh, five units, Pedro Munoz with someone later on the card. I, you see, like I said, I got a minus 505, so I completely understand if you guys don't want to fuck around with a minus 650 or minus 700. There's no more value anymore. But maybe look into the props. I mean, the thing is, I'm not messing with that. I'm only telling you what I'm betting. And I took that minus 505 in the five-unit parlay with someone later on, man. Um, so hopefully he goes out there and, and destroys this dude like he should. And next up, Jack the Joker Hermanson is taking on Alex Nicholson. Now, we know uh, we know the fans love Alex Nicholson, right? <laughs> so Jack Hermanson is minus 140. The comeback on Nicholson is plus 120. What are you thinking, man? Yeah, you know, Alex Nicholson, you know, he did make some improvements in that uh, Sam Alvey fight. But, you know, um, I kind of don't put that much stock into it because he's fighting a stationary target, a guy that does nothing that waits for you to come in. You know, I actually was considering playing Hermanson just straight when it was a little lower. I think it was minus 125 at one point. It was minus 110 at one point. Exactly. So I was I was thinking about playing Hermanson straight here. You know, he had that amazing debut against Askham, you know what I'm saying, where he solid point fighting, you know. There's nothing better than some solid point fighting, you know what I'm saying. And, um, you know, just move, constant movement, picking them apart, angling off, getting off the fence, and, you know, controlling them against the fence. And, you know, when I think about Alex Nicholson, I think about a guy generally that's very loose all over the place, doesn't really know what he's doing. You know, he did make, he was more compact, looked like he, you know, he added that right high kick in, you know, in the Alvy fight. But like I said, Alvy's a stationary target. I like Hermanson in this one. I think he's just going to win every round. I think Nicholson's tough enough to hang in there, you know what I'm saying? But I just think Hermanson's just going to be too savvy, too smart for him, too cage-aware, and I just think he's going to win every round and, you know, win a 30-27. Nicholson's a tough dude. I mean, he can, he's can. he got some crazy spinning shit as well, and he's game. I will say Nicholson is fucking game. That's why I think Hermanson's going to, you know, uh, go all three here. But I don't see Nicholson presenting any uh, threats on the ground. I think Hermanson just too smart for him, and uh, well, you know, not avoid a fight, but just point fight. You know what I'm saying? Just win the rounds. I agree, and I almost considered a bet here, but then when I watch Alex Nicholson's improvements, man, you can't deny it, man. You know what I'm saying? Because you watch on the regional scene, he goes out there against UFC heavyweights like Chase Sherman. Knocks him out with a with a spinning back fist to an elbow. I was like, okay, he's knocking out heavyweights. I mean, he's got the ball. He's a middleweight. He's got the balls to go in there and fight a UFC heavyweight. All right, comes into the UFC, gets his uh, jaw broken for the second time against Misha Serkinov, which was oh my god, you hear the sound of that? It was it was devastating. Comes back and uh, knocks out uh, Devin Clark. I mean, that, that's a pretty damn good wrestler, right? Hyped up guy. Now here here's where it gets interesting because those three fights I described. The Chase Sherman fight, the Misha Serkinov fight, and the Devin Clark fight, I felt like he wasn't really making too much progression. He was kind of loose like you were talking about. But in that Alvy fight, I saw a different guy. And I'll tell you why, man. That shit was in Mexico City elevation, which we we, we know the fucking deal with that, man. Dudes do not survive in that altitude, man. And uh, he looked composed. He looked more technical than he's ever looked. I actually thought he won that fight. I thought he won the first two rounds, man. And... Uh, you know, he went out to Mexico early, which showed me that he took it seriously. And uh, you mentioned the right high kick. I want to mention the left high kick, man. He's got a lead leg high kick that he was throwing on Sam Alvey. He had Sam Alvey wobbling in that second round, and uh, he made a lot of improvements. But the thing with Jack Hermanson is he's a, he's a diet Christoph Jocko. He's Christoph Jocko light, you know what I'm saying? You know we're high on Christoph, man. He's got that footwork like Christoph. He point fights like Christoph. And when you're a betting man, 
You know, you can't rely on these dudes to get the knockout all the time. You need good point fighters in your stable of guys that you bet on. Now, I don't like this price, so I'm passing. But I do think that Jack Hermanson's going to edge it. I don't think it's going to be 30-27 like you do, though, man. I, I think that there's going to be some moments where, you know, maybe Nicholson spins and catches him with something. Maybe he throws a left high kick and maybe rocks Hermanson for a second. But I think that Hermanson's going to regain his wits. He's going to keep circling and stay in his game plan. Because here's the thing, man. When I think Hermanson gets hit, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden abandon the game plan and then start brawling. I think he's going to stay disciplined, which is why he's going to in turn win the fight. It's just, I think there's going to be some hairy moments, man. <laughs> that's why That's why I'm fucking yeah, passing, yeah. you know Nick, what I'm saying, dude? Nicholson's fucking game, he's tough. He ain't going to quit, but I just think Hermanson's just too smart and savvy for him. I feel you on that 100%. Now, Nordin Taleb is currently minus 560. He's taking on the newcomer, Oliver N. Camp, who's plus 130. Now, Oliver ain't bad. The, the only issue is Oliver ain't no welterweight, man. He's a lightweight, you know what I'm saying? We saw him fight in a 160-pound catchweight fight, and he already looks small there, man. So now he's going up to 170 to fight one of the bigger welterweights. And, you know, I'm very familiar with Nordian Taleb because in his last fight against Santiago Ponzinibbio, I took that shot at plus 265. And at the time, I was like, you know, I, I lost it fair and square. But then when I rewatched it with you, I was like, man, he might have won the first and third round. You know what I'm saying? He might have straight up won the first and third round against Santiago. But that doesn't matter here. What matters here is that he's so much bigger than Oliver Endcamp. And, you know, not that... I don't favor the smaller guy sometimes. I mean, you look, look at a guy like Frankie Edgar. Even though I picked Yair, hey, the, the little man beat up the big guy. Bad, you know what I'm fucking saying, man? So not saying that the little guy can't win, but in this specific spot and the way the styles match up, I mean, the work that Nordin's been putting in at Tiger Muay Thai, his leg kicks, they're so heavy and a very educated usage of the jab because, you know, he still has that tri-star style. You know what I'm saying, man? He's going to hand fight. He's going to pop that jab. Now, whether he finishes or not, I'm not sure because Nordin isn't necessarily known for finishing, guys. I know he knocked out. Eric, but you know we know the deal with Eric, you know, with Eric's chin and USADA and all that shit. I don't know if he's gonna finish Oliver Endcamp, but for sure, I think he's gonna win the fight. No bet. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm with you on this one. Endcamp, uh, he's a lightweight. You know, what I'm saying he's taking this fight on short notice. The funny thing is, Oliver Endcamp also trains at Tiger Muay Thai, so I'm sure they know each other. And um, like you said, uh, Nordine, I just think he's gonna. Play it safe here, not take too much chances. Tri typical tri-star style, you know, jab, run, move, um, and win it uh, a 30-27 here. And Camp, I'm sure he's tough, but like you said, he's a lightweight. To be honest, I honestly think he could cut the featherweight, like, from looking at one of his uh, videos fighting this Polish dude on YouTube. But, um, yeah, I just think Nordin's too big for him. All right, so people are wondering, what am I closing that five-unit parlay with? And here we go. We got Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. He's minus 260. The comeback on Omari Ahmedov is plus 220. Now, you're a Texas boy. You know that Razak Al-Hassan is also a Texas boy. You know good friend of the show, James Vick, is a Texas boy. When Razak made his UFC debut, Vick's only messaged me twice and told me to bet the house on someone before. When Knight fought Hooker and when Razak fought Charlie Ward, he's like, dude, bet the house on Razak. Now, I wasn't sure because, you know, I'd only seen one of his regional scene fights. Well, actually, it was a Bellator fight, and it was like his, his debut and shit. And I was like, yeah, he's explosive, but, you know, I don't really know. But then I found out this dude's got Olympic-level judo. He's basically an Olympic-level athlete. And then we watched those training videos, and oh, my God, bro. Like, he's a, he's a hidden secret that a lot of people don't know about, man. And I think they're about to find out. Now, Omari, 
He's a very tough Russian, man. We know the deal with the Russians. I mean, look, when it's time to throw bombs, it's time to throw bombs. When it's time to put you on your ass, it's time to put you on your ass. But I don't feel like he possesses the same ability as, say, a Rustam Habilov, a Khabib Nurmagomedov, even a Rashid Magomedov, who's, you know, an expert at the striking. But I don't feel like Omari is either, man. I feel like he's kind of... You know, I don't want to disrespect him because he's been in the UFC a long time. He's had some good wins. He's fought in there with very good competition. But I feel like when he when he wings the overhand right, it's not going to be fast enough for a guy like Razak Al-Hassan. I don't feel like his shot is going to be powerful enough to take down Razak because of that judo base. You know what I mean? So what I think is actually going to happen is they're going to trade on the feet. And I think that, you know, like we were talking about, I think Al-Hassan, Razak is going to hit him with something behind the ear. When they're swinging those bombs, the speed difference is just going to be so evident that I think Abdul Razak Al-Hassan gets him out of there in the first round. And uh, Omari will be back. He's a very tough warrior. All the Russians are very tough. But uh, I, I think Razak's going to pull this one off. And, you know, I closed the five-unit parlay with Razak Al-Hassan. Now, it's currently minus 260. I got it basically a dollar less. I think I parlayed it at minus 165. And I could have just played that straight. But when I put Munoz in there, you know, it got down to minus 108. And since I am trying to play, you know, that underdog on the first card, on the first fight of the card, I need something to balance it out. That's why I ended up, uh, you know, I elected to parlay these two. And Al-Hassan and uh, Munoz, I put five units max on it. Let's see what happens. Yeah, you know, I had the same parlay. You know, you pretty much hit everything. Um, you know, Amari's last fight, since we were speaking about uh, about behind the ear, we saw Zaleski catch him behind the ear, and he was shaking, you know, rattling, wobbling all over the place. And, you know, I bet on Zaleski in that fight, and, you know, I'm looking to bet against Amari again. Um Razak, you know, I do have concerns about what happens if he doesn't, you know, finish him in the first. You know, he's never been out the first. But as I'm watching this dude online, you know, I just feel like he's actually a very well-conditioned guy. You know what I'm saying? If, God forbid, he did not finish him in the first round, I, I think he's got the technique and the, and the composure to, you know, still get a finish, you know, in the second or third round. Um, this dude's been training with Johnny Hendricks from day one, so I, I know he knows how to stuff some takedowns. And, you know, even when he – it's not like he's uh, – when he comes out, it's not like he just starts swinging, swarming, swarming. You know, he stays calm. He throws that hard front kick, hard leg. Matter of fact, go on his Instagram page right now and look at him uh, sparring more time. I mean, he's got some vicious leg kicks, you know what I'm saying? Like some vicious ones. <laughs> and, um, you know, Omari, a tough Russian, but he's a chinny Russian. And when you pressure Omari and you hit him, Omari has a tendency to start brawling, start throwing big hooks. And as a betting man, as as uh, we're betting on Al Hassan, that's exactly what we want. You know what I'm saying? If Omari wants to bang it out, we'll bang it out. And uh, I think he's going to go down. And, I mean, like you said, he's got Olympic-level judo. And uh, Omari's takedowns, he's got some nice timing on him. But when we're tra if you've been training with Johnny Hendricks your whole life, I don't see why it should be a problem. And, um, you know, I think Razak will put him away in the first round. Yeah, well, he hasn't been training with him his whole life, but his whole time his, in the United yeah, States. Yeah, his whole MMA career, put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, that's such a big factor, the Johnny Hendricks factor, because a lot of people are wondering, uh, you know, what happens if he goes past the first round? What happens if he has to get back up from bottom? Well, you got the D1 national champ, the All-American. Two-time national Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You got Johnny Hendricks in there with you every single day. I think uh, you'll have those bases covered. And I think that's also why, you know, Hendricks got so damn good at striking. Like, you remember that first... Uh, 
and the second Robbie Lawler fight, but mostly the first one. Remember those times when he was out striking Robbie and he was mixing it up with leg kicks? I was like, bro, like where, where do you get that kind of striking from? Now I think I know. And conversely, I think I also know why Razak is going to have a good base to stuff these takedowns, not just the judo base, but working with that D1 national champ, Johnny Hendricks, all the time. I think that's going to aid him here. Five units. Let's see what the fuck happens, man. Yeah, man. Let's go, Razak. Now, next up, we got Ben Saunders. He's minus 115. The comeback on Peter Sabata is minus 105. Now, man, both these guys have burnt me in different ways. Peter Sabata burnt me in the fact that he was fighting Kyle Noak, who you know we fade every single fight, and he gets kicked with a front kick to the body and goes down. I was like, oh, my God. Then with Ben, I looked to fade him every single fight, and, you know, against Kenny, against Kenny Robertson, and we were like, yeah, Kenny won that. He dropped him, like, every round or whatever. And then they fucking give the decision to Ben, so I'm like... Fuck. What do you think about this fight? Uh, yeah, it's a tough fight. You know, when uh, when I saw the odds initially, you know, I was eyeing Sabata just because, you know, we got a Dean Lister black belt versus a 10th Planet black belt guy. And, um, you know, Ben is comfortable going to his back. So, you know, I was thinking Sabata could possibly control position and edge out a decision here. But the more I was thinking about it, Saunders, like how we were talking about Bohan earlier, Saunders is one of these guys that when it goes the distance, he kind of has a way to steal a decision from you, if you know what I mean. You know, it's gonna, you know, his main uh, weapon on the feet is that uh, body kick. You know, it's gonna be a little harder to throw that uh, left uh, body kick, considering that Sabata is also a southpaw. Um, it's not gonna be as open, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm gonna take Ben in this one just because I think, like we said, I think. Um, if he gets on bottom, I think he's, he'll attempt some omoplata triangle armbar shit, and the judges will be ooh, ooh and an on and shit, and you know he'll slightly be ahead, just like all his fights, like the Kenny Robinson fight. You know, a lot of people think he lost to Court McGee, Court McGee but when I rewatched it, I honestly see why you know Court lost because Ben did the more flashy, exciting stuff. So you know what I'm saying. And I think it's going to be a case here. You know, Sabata, like, he burned me. He burned me when he fought Noak as well, you know. And I, I don't, I'm not I'm not saying Sabata's t not tough, but I do question his toughness sometimes, you know. Even though Ben is chinny and he's been KO'd how many times? Doug, Douglas twice. Uh, Cote. Cote. Uh, he's taken he's his – even the Kenny fight, he got wobbled all over the place. He's taken his fair share of ass open. John Fitch beat the uh, fuck uh, out of him we, back in the day. We've seen him. We've seen him <laughs> still hang in there, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I think no, that Noak fight was more of a case. It was probably just a perfectly placed front kick. But um, that body's going to be getting attacked in this fight as well. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to take Saunders in this one by a 29-28 decision. I'm going to go the opposite way, man. I'm going to go with Peter Sabata. I'll tell you why. You know, obviously he did burn us in that Noak fight. But like you said, it was a perfectly placed shot. I don't see that happening again. It was like he got fucking stabbed. You know what I'm saying, bro? He made it sound and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I do question Ben's toughness. I do question his heart. I question his chin. I thought he lost that Court McGee fight. And, you know... I think that Peter Sabata made huge improvements. I mean, you saw that fight he had against Nicholas Dalby. I know Nick's taken a bunch of damage. The Darren Till fight, the Zach Cummings fight, the Zaleski fight. I know that, you know, Dalby might have been on his way out, but that was the best Peter Sabata we've ever seen, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, not only was he taking him down at will, grinding him out, he also dropped him hard, man. And it showed me that he has improved in every area of the game. Also, as you know, he is a good friend of Kristoff's, and he's been putting in work with Jocko. You put in work with a guy like Jocko, you're going to get better with ben saunders 
it's the same shit it's always been, man. You know, the fucking kick to the body. Actually, what he likes to do is he likes to kick your arms so that you start dropping your hands. You know what I'm saying? And then you take him down, starts doing his rubber guard, starts trying to fucking elbow the back of your head, but or the top of your head, rather. But you watch that Cote fight. You remember when Cote almost armbarred Ben Saunders? Yeah. Cote showed <laughs> how to beat Ben Saunders. Saunders th- was out on his feet in that fight. <laughs> I think this Dean Lister black belt is going to use that blueprint because, I mean, obviously he's way better on the ground than Cote is. And his stand-up has improved, as we saw. I mean, when you get front kick knocked out in the first round, you either quit the sport or you put your head down and grind. And he put his head down and grind. He came back better than he's ever been, man. And for that reason, I got Peter Sabata to, to defeat Ben Saunders. Now, co-main event of the evening, Misha Serkunov is minus 420. The comeback on Volkan Ozdemir is plus 335. Now, man... I've been trying to fade Misha, like being like, you know, he's stiff as fuck. It looks like the dude's got back problems. Eventually someone's going to catch him. And, you know, I was so confident that Krylov was going to beat him. And he goes out there. Not only does he beat Krylov, he stops him in the first round. Man, he dropped him. He choked him out. And I was like, holy shit. You know, my boy uh, that lives down the street, Tex Johnson, tapped out uh, Serkinov back in the day. So it can be done. But, you know, Volkan's not really that kind of guy. What Volkan's known for is his striking. I'll tell you what, man. I love that high kick that he throws. I mean, you saw that fight with Ovince, and, you know, Ovince is a tough out, man. You don't just go in there and beat Ovince in your UFC debut, you know what I mean? You got to be legit to beat a guy like Ovince, and Volkan went out there and did that, man, in his debut. I think he's going to feel a little bit more comfortable here. He is training with Henry Hooft, so we know he's going to be improving, but there's something about Misha's grappling that's so scary, man. I mean, kind of like, it's not the same as Khabib. It's just scary like Khabib. It's got that aura about it where I'm like, you know, this guy cranks shit. I mean, you saw that fight with Alex Nicholson. He fucking breaks his jaw with a crank. You saw that fight with Krylov. He taps him out in the first round. You know, I got to give Misha a lot of respect. I've been wrong about this guy a million times. So, you know, I want to sit here and pick Volkan because he's the better striker and this and that. But how many how many times do I got to learn my lesson, man? So I'm going to go with Misha Serkinov, the minus 420 favorite. Yeah, same here. You know, I've, I've tried to fade Misha and gotten embarrassed. Watch this be the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've gotten embarrassed on it. I'll never forget betting uh, Jan Kudabella at, like, plus 400 or something like that and him getting smoked. But, you know, like we said, he, Misha's stiff as a board, you know, but he, there's something about him, you know what I'm saying? He's that submission wrestling thing he's got going on is just something special. I mean, you don't simply do that to Krylov in the first round, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Volkan, he's got that hard right high kick, you know, training with Henry. And another thing is, you know, Volkan, you know, uh, Pat Cummins is down there training uh, at Combat Club right now. So, you know, he did. I've seen some pics of him uh, and Pat, you know, working together. And um, they got Neil Melanson down there helping him out, too. So they do have something to simulate Misha's ground game. And um, the only way I see Volkan winning this fight is by KO. You know what I'm saying? I think he's got to go forward and do that without getting taken down. And um, and he's got he's to knock him out. Like we said, we've we've said for the longest time that Misha can be KO'd, and um, well, anyone can be KO'd, but he's open. He's open for a lot of things, but when he gets you on that mat, man, it just seems like he's too overwhelming. So for that fact, uh, I'm gonna take Misha in this one, but uh, I'll say by decision. Oh, so you don't think it's gonna tap him out? Because I know a lot of people are playing Misha inside the distance and by sub. Yeah, I I, I don't agree. I think Vol- I think Volcano uh, is uh, tough enough to present some problems, and will hang in there. Gonna have to see how it goes down, man. I mean, to make your UFC debut and get that number five ranking right off the bat, I mean, that's no joke. But yeah. to crank someone's jaw on national television, yeah. that's no joke either. If so. Volkan wins, though, I will be pissed just because 
I've been trying to fade Misha like every fight, and it just hasn't worked out. But watch, watch Volcan Kaom stiff in the face, <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, "Fuck." The main event of the evening, we got Alexander Gustafsson. He's minus three twenty. The comeback on Glover Teixeira is plus two sixty. Now, back when they were both in their prime. I would take Gustafsson all day because you remember how he kind of has the Dominic Cruz movement for a light heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? Back when he was training at Alliance. And, I mean, th- those uppercuts are beautiful, man. And not only that, man, he can wrestle too. He took down John Jones. He took down DC. Alexander is no fucking slouch. But, you know, is it a matter of all the wars catching up? Because, look, man, that war with Jones, that was a war. That war with DC was also, I mean, five rounds. I mean, that... He took some punishment in that one, bro. And then, obviously, the Rumble fight. We don't got to talk about that. And then, also, Glover's fight with Rumble. Glover's fight with Jones. <laughs> He's also taking his fair share. Let's talk about the stylistic matchup. So, I don't know what version of Gustafsson we're going to get. I know what version of Glover we're going to get. Fucking spamming the 2-3 all day. You know, if he looks for a single leg, maybe he gets it, maybe not. I mean, you know, Gustafsson's got good takedown defense. So, I think Glover's going to be spamming that 3-2, that 2-3 that all day. Now, you saw... Gustafsson's fight with Jan Blankovic. Now, you know, you might say, well, he was coming off a layoff. He was coming off the war with DC. He needed a warm-up. Okay. Maybe that's true. Maybe he comes back better than ever here. But if that's the guy that we're going to be dealt with here, Glover's going to knock him out. And I'll tell you why. You watch that fight with Jan Blankovic and Gustafsson, and, I mean, Jan Blankovic was teeing off on him on the feet man i mean the shots that he was landing those are the exact shots that glover throws man the fucking the cross to the left hook or the left hook to the cross whichever combination of it you want to talk about that's what he does now live i was like oh my god gustafson looks bad and i was like you know what maybe maybe i was looking into it too much let's go back and rewatch it give him the benefit of the doubt he still looked fucking bad bro i mean the takedowns were there but we know jan blankovic can't yeah, stop it yeah. he can't stop us takedown to save his life man fucking Corey grinded him for three man so man i mean is gustafson gonna have his movement or not if he has his movement back which he did not have against jan blankovic he will win this fight but if he's stationary man if he's if all the wars have caught up to him glover's gonna take him out so I got to make a pick between is Gustafsson going to show up or not? And you know what, man? I'm going to say Glover knocks him out in Sweden. Yeah, man, it's a tough one. Like you said, man, he was walking right into that overhand right constantly in that Jan fight. He kept on circling to the to uh, basically into Glover's main combo that he throws that left hook to the body, that overhand right, that jab, overhand right, all those, all those combos, and he was walking right into them. Um, you know, Glover was wobbling his last fight, too, against Cannonier. You know, he played the safe route, which is smart, you know what I'm saying, take him down. But at the end of that first round, he was doing the stanky leg. That leg know, buckled and, straight and up. He was, he was doing the stanky leg out there. Last 10 seconds of the first round, everyone we, check it out. And we know the, war, the wars have caught up with him already, you know what I'm saying. But uh, like you said, man, it, it's tough. Um, you know, I think if Alex, you know, Alex bought in Phil Davis, Phil Davis for this fight, you know, He's got a Jimmy Manuel down there. To, uh, sim- I'm, I'm sure Jimmy's put him on his ass a couple times. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I think he can. You know, they could simulate uh, what to work on. Same thing with Glover as well. But I'm gonna take Gustafson just for the fact that I think he's motivated. You know, he just had a kid. Um, I think he can keep distance. You know, jab him, throw that front kick to the body, circle off, uh, mix in a takedown here and there. I mean, like you said, the dude's wrestling is. I mean, he took down a, a, a Jones in D.C. He took down Jones in D.C. 
basically. So, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I'm going to take Gustafson by a close decision. <laughs> so, you think it's going all five with those two guys? Going all five. Damn, son. Man, I can't wait. I hope that Gustafsson gets back to that footwork, gets back to that nasty uppercut. I mean, remember the dude that fought Matt Hamill that one night? The dude that fought Shogun? Jared Hammond? Tiago Silva? Like, what happened to that dude? I mean, but the fight game. The fight game is cruel. Yeah, it's unforgiven. I mean, all those wars, man. I mean, he had to give everything he had in that Jones fight and that DC fight. I mean, there's only so many of those you can take. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... But then again, I mean, the Rumble Johnson versus, uh, versus both of them, but versus Glover. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Tooth went fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, shit. We'll, we'll have to see what goes down. But before we get out of here, man, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, the MMA genius, what is the fight to watch for UFC Stockholm? Oh, man. I think the fight to watch is going to be uh, Demir versus Marcin, man. I think um, the first round is going to be entertaining, and then we're going to see... Uh, a Bosnian beatdown. Man, that would be great. You know, obviously not just because we got a bet on the line, but this is a kid that we've seen on the regional scene. We knew he had UFC potential, and we want to see what he's capable of. And with Marcin Hill, he also came to the UFC with a lot of hype, but we kind of knew from watching his Bellator fights that if you can get past that leg lock attack, you can gas this guy out, you can break him. But then again, he is just a kid. Like you were saying, he couldn't even get into the casinos when he was fighting the Bellator. So maybe he's matured. Maybe he's better now. That being said, I'm going with the Bosnian Bomber, but regardless, that's definitely one of your fights to watch. And for me, I'm going to go with Misha Serkinov versus Volkan Ozdemir. Look, when you make your UFC debut and you beat the number five guy on planet Earth, I mean, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. And the reason I say it might be a bad thing is because, I mean, it's only stiff competition from here. You're not about to get, like, they're not going to give Volkan a Jan Blankovic fight next. I'll tell you that right now. You know what I'm saying? So you beat the number five guy. That means only stiff competition from here on out. With Misha Serkinov, he's proved me wrong almost every single fight. So, fuck, man. I mean, that I'm definitely going to be tuning into that one. Now, before we get out of here, who is the fighter to watch for UFC Stockholm? Uh, I'm going to go with my boy Neto BJJ on this one, man. I'm interested to see uh, how he handles Reza. This is a, a a decent step up in competition considering Reza's experience and the dudes that he's fought before and the dudes that he's beaten before. So um, I'm interested to see how uh, Neto takes uh, takes the challenge, and um, I think he's going to win. Yeah. I'm excited for that one, too. I want to see how he takes that step up in competition. I want to see if Reza has anything left in the tank, if Reza can out-tough him. If not, he's going to get lit up. So very intrigued by that one. Listen, man, my fighter to watch is Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I'll tell you why, man. I mean, obviously, I told you about Vic messaging me being like, dude, this is the Rumble Johnson of the welterweight division. Now, I don't mean, you know, back when Rumble was fighting at welterweight, cutting all that weight and, you know, gives up his back and taps out to shit that's not even locked in. That's not what I'm referring to. To Rich Clemente. (laughs) (laughs) I'm referring to the explosiveness, the dynamicism, the knockout power. I mean, the kind of athlete this guy is is not something we see every day and he's going in there against a a proven very tough guy and if he goes out there and finishes him in the first round i mean that's something that gunner nelson did we're going to be talking about abdul razak al-hassan as a top 15 welterweight so that is my fighter to watch so mma genius we did it man ufc stockholm hopefully we get back on track this weekend the card is sunday afternoon and uh man let's cash these bets dude let's cash them man Uh, last week was rough but you learn your craft as you go you know, Christoph lost a close split decision. Yair, things didn't go his way. Dustin got carried away again, but we move on and we learn. 
We take our L's like, man, you'll never fucking see me writing 10 paragraphs about a loss. You know what I'm saying? Just take the L on the chin. But this weekend, like uh, Big Sean said, last night I took an L, but tonight I bounced back. <laughs> so let them know where to follow you, man. Yeah, follow me at uh, MMA Genius 05 and uh, DM me if you ever want to talk about shit. Oh, yeah, what kind of shit you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, fight, uh, fight related shit. <laughs> Everyone, make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can find my plays on bestfightpicks.com. You can subscribe to this podcast, Half the Battle, on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Just going to keep the ball rolling. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.